Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're dead drunk. Dead <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> It's so weird because I'll, I'll start saying it with you and then it'll cut you out. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, should we try again? <sighs> I don't know. Should we? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's I think it's better when it's like not right. Right. I don't know if that we're, makes sense. We're fully right. authentic. Take. It's one take wonders. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, we're relatable. <laughs> I'm blowing up on TikTok, by the way. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like, we posted another one today, and it has, like, 3,000 views already. So, um, <laughs> if you want my autograph, let me know. <laughs> Follow me on TikTok, Tierney and Jordan. It's great. It's great. It's a great time. I love TikTok. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Except for, you know, like, the pandemic thing. Oh, right. Forgot about that. Your TikTok popularity completely overshadowed coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm just so famous now. <laughs> this is good news. The coronavirus has done what something else good. What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> the coronavirus has made me TikTok famous. <laughs> it's done that. And I'm not, I have literally, you want to know what famous is to me? I have 27 followers. <laughs> you have more real life <laughs> friends than that. But it's fine. I'm famous now. <laughs> I like that you decided that. Like, it's not a verification thing on TikTok. It's just like your decision to be famous no it's it's me i'm famous <laughs> yep that's 100 that's another thing back it up for the pros of coronavirus that the turtles are coming back that's it that's <laughs> the turtles the turtles the beaches are clear so endangered turtles are having more eggs and more <gasps> oh. babies did i ever tell you about how in high school i went to costa rica um and help to rebuild a sea turtle hatchery i don't think you've ever actually told me what you were doing in costa rica i just know that you oh. met a dog and you got really attached to it oh bones oh i miss bones i hope bones is living a great life bones wanted me to take him home he tried to get on the bus with us when we left oh that's really it was really really sad he would sleep outside my door at night <laughs> oh it was so sad oh my god i miss Aww. him um but yeah no we were there as like volunteers which i think is like kind of why we got to go um so for five days of like the two weeks, we were at Matapalo Beach in Costa Rica. Shout out. And it wasn't sea turtle season, which was kind of sad. So we didn't actually see any sea turtles, <laughs> which kind of like was the reason I wanted to go. I was like, F yeah, this will be awesome. Like I'll be like fucking Miley Cyrus in the last song. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like that. And instead of like moving the eggs and like actually helping the sea turtles, we were rebuilding the hatchery, which consisted of all day in the hot sun, shoveling sand into bags and then carrying them up a hill and dumping them out and then going back down and shoveling more sand and going back. I was in the best shape of my life after this trip. <laughs> it sounds like the perfect vacation. It's just. I bought it. Yeah, but I was helping. So it's fine. And all we ate was rice and beans for like the five days because the people cooked for us. And that's all oh they cooked us. And plantains and like Kool-Aid. <laughs> and everybody told us don't drink the water. It's like bad. So we had our own water bottles that we were using to brush our teeth and everything. And then on the last day, they're like, by the way, we use our tap water in the Kool-Aid and you've been drinking it all week <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> so fuck you guys. <laughs> The whole time they were like, let's put oh. this Kool-Aid in it. But <laughs> they're drinking parasites. <laughs> oh, God. That was a really crazy trip. Yeah, it sounds like it. But the turtles are probably yeah. better for it. Should we tell them about our um, our ideas for Patreon? Yeah. Yeah. Might as well, right? Um, we decided that we're making... Well, we have a... Technically, we have a Patreon, but... But there's we don't ever post anything on it. There, it's like, don't sign up for it. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. On it. I mean, you can um, sign up for it, but you won't get anything like there's nothing. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think we're going to end up doing maybe once a month episodes of us reviewing true crime documentaries slash TV shows. Is that something that you guys would want? 
because we're gonna do it anyway but like yeah i mean <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway but uh we we're thinking of starting with tiger king i think that would be fun yeah i, I so fun. yeah i started watching it i started watching it and then i was like i have to wait and like take all of the notes so that i can be prepared to talk on this i have to watch it again because it was just <laughs> it's one of those documentaries that was just like oh wait there's more <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait honestly gonna be very exciting all right yeah should, should we uh should we quit this small talk and yeah jump sure. right in let's dive right in so <laughs> oh i'm about to dive in whoa <laughs> and with that <laughs> i'm gonna tell you about this pretty terrible guy but start with the disappearance of this girl but anyway our drink is rum three ways and you can really have it any way you want, like Burger King, but <laughs> <laughs> have it your way. <laughs> have it your way. But this is this is what we had. The rum eraser, which is a take on the mind eraser, which is originally made with vodka and probably better. But I don't I don't really taste the difference between the two. All right. Um, so that's one part white rum, one part Kahlua and one part seltzer. And you put the Kahlua first and then you layer the rum on top. And then you put the seltzer on top of that, stick a straw in it, and then what you'll get is Kahlua rum, then seltzer. That sounds great. Yeah. I haven't tried good. it yet, but Shelby it sur- texted me yesterday like, I'm drunk. I had all the shots. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I, they're, they're good enough to have all three of them and then make worse decisions like take a bottle of Prosecco as a challenge. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, then there's the blue balls. This one was really good, really sweet. Um, so, like, I wouldn't suggest doing a ton of them because that's just a headache waiting to happen. But it was really <laughs> sweet. It's called Blue Balls. And it's, <laughs> I haven't renamed any of these. These are all from a website that I forgot the name of. But I'll tag it in the blog. All right. <laughs> we'll cite um, it somewhere. Yeah, it'll be somewhere. You can find more of them. It was basically just rum shots. And it has a collection of different rum shots love that yeah so this one is uh half ounce coconut rum half ounce blue curacao i think that's how we say it right curacao 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 the stuff that looks like curacao yeah it's curacao i have no idea (laughs) the stuff that looks like barbicide and is way too sticky but (laughs) (laughs) and then a half ounce of peach schnapps and you put all of that into a shaker with ice and lemon lime soda, but I used lime seltzer and it was just as fine. I feel like that's you, probably better because it's not as sweet. Yeah, I think that with the soda, it would have just been like way too sweet. Mm-hmm. It's just a cavity waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, but then you shake it up and you pour it into a shot glass. And hopefully your shaker is not plastic so you won't get it on the floor and your dog won't drink blue carousel. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if that does happen... <laughs> She can talk to Jenny about it. <laughs> yeah. She, Jenny's fine. <laughs> right? Jenny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jenny's good. She's fine. It's fine. So the last one, and this was my favorite one, is called the Dizzy Fizzy Slammer. And it's half ounce white rum and then half an ounce of champagne or Prosecco and a splash of lemon lime soda or seltzer. I like the seltzer. It Well, actually... It called for lime juice, like a splash or a squeeze of lime uh-huh. juice, which, no, lemon juice. My bad. I'm mixing up my citruses. Sorry, they're, but, they're all the same. Yeah. So it called for a squeeze of lemon juice, which we did because I actually had lemon juice in the fridge. So I would say use something else because it was like way too sour with mm-hmm. that. But whatever you want to use, just add some citrus to it. And I just did like half rum and then half champagne but I use Prosecco because I like it better. And then you put your hand over the top of the shot glass and you slam it down on the counter and it gets all fizzy. And then you do it all in one shot. That's so cool. These are fun. It was a lot Go of fun. Go to our Instagram and watch the videos. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see me getting drunk and having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> love that. That's and it'll good. make sense why there are three rum shots later. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. It's like a hidden, yeah. a hidden clue or something. Eh, it's not really a clue. It's just like a part of the story. Foreshadowing. I, <laughs> yeah. That's the word. I had a lot of trouble coming up with a drink this week. And then John suggested, huh, just do rum three ways. And it, it worked. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Instead of one shot, we give you three. Enjoy. 
<laughs> or uh, drink up, dead yes, drunkies. Yes, drink up, dead drunkies. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting there. It. We're getting there. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. So our story starts with 18-year-old Hannah Graham. Hannah was a British-American woman studying at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. She was a very devoted student and athlete. She was a member of the ski team and a very outgoing young woman in general who had many friends at school. The ski team? Her school had a ski team? I don't know. I don't know how. It's in Virginia. I don't know. In (laughs) Virginia? That's so interesting. This is, wait, this is high school or college? College. Interesting. I was going to say my high school had a ski club. So, like many sophomore college students in America, Hannah enjoyed going out with all of her friends on the weekends. I love that like journey we for all her. Did. <laughs> yeah, it's something that we all can't do anymore. But on the night of September 12th, 2014, Hannah and her friends could still do it. So That's good. At that's least she didn't have did. to live in a world where we couldn't go out on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> At around 7 p.m. that evening, she met up with some of her friends and teammates to hang out before heading into downtown Charlottesville, which is kind of a mouthful for me to say. So if I mess it up later in the episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> That sounds literally uh, exactly like me and my softball team, and now I'm having FOMO. That's exactly what I thought of when I was writing yeah. this. <laughs> oh. All right. So even though it was September, the summer weather was still going strong. So the night was warm and the streets were lit with sunlight until the early evening. So they could like party. You know when the sun's out for later? So you're Yes. Oh. Yeah. According to Hannah's friends, the group began drinking at 730-ish and continued to drink throughout the night. A few hours later, the group set out for The Fig, a restaurant close to the main university campus, to attend a ski team-sponsored function, which immediately reminded me of all the softball stuff at McGillicuddy's. Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> or, like, was it the rugby team that would do, like, happy hour at P&Gs and stuff, and they would, like... Uh, Didn't the rugby team have, like, Murphy's? Oh, yep, it was Murphy's. Yep, it was Murphy's, and they would, like... <laughs> not They would, like, host... I have no mm-hmm. idea. It's been a while. That's what I thought of. They would do like these happy hour or like like open bar yeah. things or whatever they would call it. I don't know. Mixers, whatever it was. I have no idea what they're called. But this was sponsored by her team. So she went. Uh, the group of friends partied at the Fig until about 11 p.m. when the function ended, at which point they left to go to a college party at an off-campus apartment because the party's going to keep going. Of course. Hannah didn't stay there for too long, though. A little while after arriving, she left with a friend she knew from high school. According to witnesses at the party, Hannah continued to drink and was becoming visibly intoxicated at this point. Like like you would. Yeah, I mean, that's were... the goal. Just after midnight, Hannah told her friend that she wasn't feeling well, which is probably to be expected because she started drinking like three and a half hours, four and a half hours ago. Um, and she wanted to go home. Her friend walked her outside and then offered to walk her back home like a good friend, but Hannah declined the offer and headed for home on foot by herself. Oh, that's never a good idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying I, I haven't done it, but not good. Right. I mean, even with your walk from Mahoney's alone, even if I was leaving like in a car and I was drunk, I was still worried. So, yeah. But you would you would always text like I made it. Right. And it would literally take me like five minutes. And I'm sure if it mm-hmm. took more than that, people would be like, hello, like, where are you? Yeah. Judging by the footage from the apartment complex security cameras, this was at around 1220 a.m. That friend couldn't have known that this would be the last time she would see Hannah alive. Which I imagine just tortured the friend. Like if you left by yourself to go home and I didn't go with you and then you never came back. Yeah, I would be so guilty. I feel like that must like, yeah, literally be so hard for her. Sorry, not to make light of it. Don't don't let your friends leave by themselves. So even though she left by herself, she remained in contact with a few friends via text messaging, which is what we said you should probably do. I think most websites, though, recommend that you get on the phone with someone. Yeah, that's usually what I would do when I would walk home by myself. I would call somebody and just be, like, on the phone just in case. Plus, mm-hmm. I get bored and I'm drunk and I want to, like, talk. Me too. <laughs> I also like talking while I'm walking. Yeah. So. Talking while I'm walking. So, 
walk it in a pocket. <laughs> so she was text messaging with her friends, but as the time went on, these messages grew increasingly incoherent, indicating that she was very, very drunk. Despite this, it seems clear from her last few messages that Hannah had gotten lost on her walk home. In one message, Hannah mentions 14th and Wortland Street in downtown Charlottesville. And later in another message, she mentions 14th Street and Charlottesville's historic downtown mall, which is like a cobblestone looking walking street that houses 120 different shops and 30 restaurants. That sounds kind of so like fun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, how far away was that from her dorm or whatever? It says from one of the dorms, it's like a 46 minute walk. Oh, shit. So she's like really lost. Yeah, it's like 2.2 miles. I don't know where the apartment that she was partying at was, but... Right, okay. But she's like not close she's to far. home. At around 1 a.m., Hannah's phone sent its last text, which read, I got stuck down, though. On Sunday, September 14th, 2014, Hannah's friends reported her missing after no one had seen or heard from her since she sent that last text in the early morning hours of the 13th. During this time, her family had also tried to contact her without any response. Since this was very out of character for the responsible young student athlete, which for like somehow makes you even more responsible as a person, if you're both a student and an athlete. Yeah, I mean, it's a big commitment, but also like student athletes party harder than anybody I've ever known. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's insane to me. I don't. It, I mean, you have so much more to do and yeah. like physically and you guys are just like, hey, how quickly do you think i could trash my body in these four years <laughs> like it's <laughs> exactly but since it was so out of character the charlottesville police department took it seriously and immediately began their okay, search that's good. love to hear that yeah soon after the search began the virginia state police and the fbi became involved in the search for hannah graham so everybody was in on this and it, eventually it became national and international oh my news. gosh like it was a big Very deal good yeah after conducting interviews with Hannah's friends, teammates, and any other witnesses from the night she disappeared, police reviewed surveillance footage from the surrounding area and were able to put together a timeline of Hannah's last movements. At around 12.45 a.m. on September 13th, Hannah can be seen walking in the area near McGrady's Pub in downtown Charlottesville. The bouncer at McGrady's noticed that she was very drunk and asked the young woman if she needed any help. Hannah told him that she was okay and continued walking east of the pub. In the security camera footage, which we could probably find in post, she's clearly stumbling and struggling to walk. Do you have in it? A straight line. Can you like send it to me and I'll watch it? Yeah, and she's uh, just so you're aware, she's wearing like a crop top and jeans, and I think at some point she comes around the outside of the patio. Let me see if I can find her too. <laughs> this looks like an interesting pub. Yeah, it's a nice outside patio area. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. But she wasn't in there, so she's video. just like passing by, right? Yeah, the surveillance camera footage is just her walking by each of these places. Is that her maybe? Yeah, this isn't this isn't a particularly helpful one, but there is one and I'll find it and I'll try and send it to you. Oh, I see um, her. I see her. Oh, okay. All right, yep, there she goes. She Oh, yeah. Is she across the street later, like running? But... Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. At, um, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even so be as she continued her. walking east down Preston Avenue towards the mall, Hannah's movements were again captured on nearby cameras. And this is the part that you saw where she broke into a short jog as she continues to head east. And she's then seen at 1 a.m. walking southwards down 2nd Street. In both videos, it's clear from her stumbling and inability to walk in a straight line that Hannah is pretty intoxicated. Wow. Oh, yeah, I see her again. And then this this one is another one that I just sent you. Now, I'm not sure if this is the one from the Red Pump Kitchen, but at around 1.20 a.m., she walked by this place called the Red Pump Kitchen, and she's just seen walking not in a straight line again but now however it appears that she's being followed by a large african-american man oh my god no stop this is the last time that she's seen on camera so the police used this footage to look into him and they they had a pretty good profile from the security camera footage he was tall well-built wearing a white t-shirt and shorts 
and looks to have dreadlocks. It only took them a few days to find him, and on September 19th, just five days after Hannah went missing, the police named 6'2", 270-pound Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr. as the man from the security footage and their prime suspect in the case. Wow. Matthew grew up just outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. He was born to a large family, and as a child, most people knew him as LJ or Little Jesse, which seems weird because he grew up to be humongous. (laughs) Due to his family's financial status, his stutter, and severe learning disabilities which is just what it was quoted as. So somebody must have said that at one point. He was bullied a lot at school. (laughs) His father was an alcoholic who came in and out of his life until his parents divorced when he was 16. So not a great start. Still, despite his learning disabilities, Matthew became an excellent athlete while in high school. He played on the varsity football team and won an award for MVP. He was also a member of the varsity wrestling team and won a state championship with them in 2000. Interesting. His record was reportedly 40-0, and so he was apparently a really good wrestler. Later that same year, Matthew enrolled in Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, after receiving a full football scholarship. His professional football career looked pretty promising for a little while. Then, on October 17, 2002, a woman reported that she was raped on the Liberty University campus. The woman identified Matthew as the perpetrator. His name is Jesse Leroy Matthew, I want to say again, because I keep saying Matthew, but that's not his first <laughs> name. That's his last name. The woman positively identified Matthew as the perpetrator, but he denied the claim, stating that the sex was consensual. Since there were no other witnesses and the woman refused to press charges, Matthew was never charged with any crime. Okay. However, his football career at Liberty University abruptly ended shortly after this, and Matthew instead enrolled in classes at Christopher Newport University in Newport News in 2003. He, I guess he just left, or they let him go. He joined the CNU football team, but was removed from the team only a month later after another sexual assault investigation. Oh, God. The name of the victim in this case was never publicly released. And only a month after the investigation started, Matthew dropped out of CNU. So that seems guilty. Yeah, to me. I mean, if it's it's obviously <laughs> following you around. Yeah. Matthew then started a pattern of jumping from one odd job to the next, moving around the state of Virginia. Then, in 2005, a 26-year-old woman was beaten and raped while walking home from the grocery store in Fairfax County. Her attacker was unidentified at the time, but police recovered DNA that would later be used to identify Matthew. In 2007, Matthew moved back to the Charlottesville area and began working as a taxi driver. This is the job he was still working in 2014 when Hannah went missing. After the police identified Matthew as the man from the security footage, they began to retrace his steps to determine where he might have crossed paths with a young college student, because it doesn't make sense why he would have been in her life at all. On September 12, 2014, Matthew's day went pretty much routinely. He had taken the day off from taxiing and spent the afternoon helping helping to coach a football game at Covenant School. When the game ended, it was early evening, and Matthew decided to head downtown for a drink. Matthew's first stop, and I'll say right now, I pretty much love all the names of all these bars. <laughs> They're like really good names. Matthew's first stop was the Lazy Parrot. Oh my God. Imagine <laughs> opening a bar and being like, we're calling it the Lazy Parrot. I don't care what anyone says. A woman reported that he had approached her to ask for her phone number. Then he told her how nice her lips were and repeatedly touched her hands despite the fact that she had already told him she wasn't interested. I hate that. No, thank you. No, thank you. I think that complimenting the lips is especially creepy. It's just really weird. Like, I get complimented for my eyebrows kind of often, but it's like, are they into me or are they gay? Like, if you're going (laughs) to... If you're complimenting my eyebrows, you're probably a gay man. That's a fair point. My thing with the lips is, like, if somebody's like, you have really nice lips. Yeah, I want them around my They were just staring at them. Like, (laughs) it's like somebody going, you have really nice tits. Yeah, basically. Oh, Okay. <laughs> nice to meet you. Goodbye. So no, thank you. That's what I say to my students all the time when they do something. That's like what? I'm just like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm going to start doing that with people at the bar. No, thank, no, you. thank you. No, no, no thank you. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Whenever the bars are open. Oh, <laughs> I know. At the same bar, another patron confronted Matthew about this, and he apologized, stating that he was just trying to, quote, meet girls, 
which I can't imagine he has any luck with because those are not pickup lines. Those are creepy, creepy lines. So, understandably, Matthew had no luck at the Lazy Parrot, so he decided to travel to the downtown mall in Charlottesville, where he visited several more bars. At around 11.18 p.m., Matthew went to the Rapture Bar and ordered... You want to guess what he ordered? A shot of rum. He ordered three shots of Ooh. rum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why we had three today. I love that. He quickly downed all three shots before heading over to another bar just down the street, the Blue Light. I don't know what was better at the Rapture and why he just got these three shots of rum. Yeah. But <laughs> Sounds like me, Anyway, honestly. then he went to the Blue Light. At this bar, two women reported that Matthew approached them and without warning, picked them up by cradling their buttocks. What the fuck? Yeah, so it understandably made them very um, uncomfortable. Yes. Like, no, thank you. He put them down after they protested, probably with a lot more than no thank you. But later, Matthew tried to dance with one of them, which is when the women decided to leave the blue light. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah, no thank you. Later, Matthew went to the Tempo Bar and was once again seen behaving inappropriately towards women. One woman testified that at some point she took off her boots because her feet were hurting. Because sometimes you wear really cute shoes, but they're not comfortable. Yeah, but don't take them off at the bar. That's weird. Yeah, I would I never take my shoes off yeah. inside the bar. I know I took my shoes off on a walk home. Yeah, I mean, I've done that, but, but was... not inside the bar. Yeah, it's it's gross and it's sticky in there. And I just, if you put them on, keep yeah. them on. Don't wear I them mean, out if you're in not going to keep them on, right? I don't know. I don't know. She's the victim here. But... <laughs> Right. I <laughs> I think I said this all through college where I was like, you wanted to wear those shoes, so yep. keep them on. And then I would not keep mine on. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried to make it a principle, but at some point, you, they just hurt. Yeah. I don't know how like powerful business women in movies wear heels to the city every day. I can't. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Take a shot I every time I wore we them say down, no, down there you. once for maybe like an hour or two and was like this is impossible I don't I don't yeah. get it it's not worth it I'd rather wear Crocs I or- love Crocs don't even get me started <laughs> so anyway this woman didn't wear Crocs she wore what I would imagine is high-heeled boots because they're the best but she took them off because her feet were hurting and then Matthew came up to her grabbed her leg removed her sock and began touching her foot I I don't okay not a good look (laughs) he then told the woman that quote a woman that takes care of her feet takes care of everything else ew (laughs) your face (laughs) yeah that's that's also not a good pickup line don't don't use it god when that woman obviously turned away his creepy advances Matthew moved on to another woman who told him to back off when he grabbed her leg. He yeah. apparently has a thing for grabbing Ew. legs. Yeah. At that point, the woman claimed that Matthew looked at her in a, quote, crazy way. I don't know. I guess she said to back off and he gave her crazy eyes or something. At around 12.50 a.m. on September 13th, Matthew left Tempo and went back to the Rapture Bar. Once there, a former acquaintance reported that he came up behind her and grabbed her buttocks. Again, he's just grabbing women. When her friend confronted Matthew about this incident at about 1.03 a.m., he left the bar. Surveillance footage from a nearby business just a block or so from Tempo shows Matthew walking past Hannah, who is clearly intoxicated. Two witnesses reported that immediately after he passed her, Matthew turned around and began walking in the same direction as Hannah. One of the witnesses later testified that Matthew actually sped up to catch up to Hannah and put his arm around her, at which point the witness told Matthew, you don't even know her, to which he replied, hush. So the witness didn't do anything? No, and this is these are not the only witnesses. It's a very frustrating story. I, like if I saw I that, I would nobody- literally probably call the police. I would immediately call the police or alert a nearby bouncer of similar or bigger size yeah. than the man. Just get This somebody. was like in front of bars that like were open. Mm-hmm. But so the witnesses did find this concerning. And so they followed Matthew and Hannah 
back to Tempo and sat at a table near the two. They testified that Matthew ordered drinks for both of them at around 1.10 a.m., which the credit card records later proved. One of the witnesses then approached Matthew to ask him to buy her a drink, too. I think to kind of intervene and see what was yeah. going on. But he refused. Eventually, the two witnesses left, although one of them stated that they had a bad feeling about the situation and thought that, quote, he is going to fuck her up. I don't know why you wouldn't alert the management of the bar. Yeah, if they're or... sitting in the bar, tell somebody. A bartender? Yeah. Anybody. Anybody. The interesting part that I found was that the owner of Tempo, which is now closed and something else, Bryce Cunningham, said that he stated on the CBS 6 News that they did not serve Hannah any alcohol. He said that Hannah was, quote, noticed by the door person outside the restaurant at the time and seen leaving with Matthew shortly thereafter. So it's likely that Matthew had a drink at the Tempo and then met Hannah outside. It it sounds like he might be covering his ass, but he's saying that Hannah didn't come into the tempo. But is there security footage? I couldn't find any. Interesting. So, so he honestly yeah. he might have co- been covering his ass and deleted it though. Yeah, that's true. That sucks. But I but the witnesses say that they went in there and that drinks were ordered. Still, I don't think that Hannah would have had a drink. She had said that she didn't feel good. So, although I've been drunk, said I didn't feel good, and then just kept on going. So, either way, Matthew and Hannah left the tempo together. But while walking in the area of the Red Pump restaurant, the two separated with Hannah walking ahead of him. Matthew can be seen following behind her on the restaurant surveillance footage. And after this moment, both were outside of the range of any cameras. But a witness across the street saw what happened next. This witness was the last person to see Hannah Graham alive. I just got chills. I knew you would. I wrote that line and was like, this is it. (laughs) The witness stated that he saw Hannah walking ahead of Matthew for a bit before he broke into a jog to catch up with her. Matthew then put his arm around her, but according to the witness, he, quote, did not look friendly. Which I can imagine. Then he saw them walk over to Matthew's orange 1998 Chrysler Sebring that was parked on the other side of the street. Matthew reportedly opened the car door while Hannah stood on the other side of the vehicle. The witness heard Hannah exclaim, quote, I'm not getting in that car with you. What is it, stolen? I don't know what the conversation was, but that's apparently what she said. According to the witness, her voice sounded frightened and scared. He didn't hear anything else as he walked up the opposite side of the street towards them, but he did continue to try and listen. After what the witness believed was only a minute, he looked up and they were gone along with Matthew's car. So he must have, like, shoved her in the car. Yeah, I'm guessing. But it sounded like she was on the other side of the car, so I don't know. I also don't know why this witness didn't yeah. do anything. But So, on September 19th, the same day that they declared Matthew was a person of interest in the case, police searched his apartment. Investigators found a cell phone that had been in service on the day of Hannah's disappearance but was now missing the SIM card. They also found a pair of shorts in Matthew's bedroom that contained both his and Hannah's DNA. Upon searching his car, the police also found Hannah's DNA on the passenger side door, as well as some plant material that was stuck on the underside of the vehicle. That'll be important later. Oh my god. Despite all of this evidence, the police didn't have a body, and so they didn't have enough to arrest Oh my god. But it's like obviously him. Yeah, it's, I mean, this must be the most frustrating part of police work is knowing that you've got the right guy, but not having enough to legally hold him. Later that same day, Matthew got a new driver's license, withdrew all the money from his bank account, and hired a lawyer. The next day, Matthew stole his sister's car and fled the state. On September 23rd, police issued a warrant for abduction with intent to defile and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, starting a national manhunt. The manhunt lasted only one day, as Matthew was quickly spotted using gas station surveillance cameras in Galveston, Texas. On September 24th, he was extradited to Virginia and charged with Hannah's abduction. Good. A few weeks later, on October 18th, Hannah's skeletal remains were discovered in a remote area of nearby Albemarle County. I got chills again. That's Albemarle County is actually where the lazy parrot is, so it's very close. It was like... Yeah. Did he like drive into a they field were f- or something? 
They were found in a densely wooded slight ravine behind a vacant farmhouse at 3193 Old Lynchburg Road that was covered in the same vegetation that was found under Matthew's car. Due to the decomposition and animal predation, Hannah's, I think I said that right? Predation? Animals. (laughs) Animals. (laughs) Hannah's remains were scattered around the area. The crop top she had been wearing was found inside out and unzipped, and her jeans were also found torn with one leg turned inside out. Oddly, though, her undergarments, shoes, and phone were never recovered. Interesting. Due to the state of her remains, the medical examiner initially determined that the cause of death was homicidal violence of undetermined etiology. I think I'm probably not saying that last word right, but (laughs) sue me. However, they discovered that her nose had been broken in two places prior to her death. And that, combined with a lack of any other skeletal trauma, ultimately led to the change of ruling on Hannah's death to likely either suffocation or strangulation. Did they find her hyoid bone? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> just her, um, just that her nose okay. was broken. So that's probably why it's a guess, whether it's suffocation or strangulation. Yeah, because if she was strangled, that would be broken. Yeah. So maybe she was I don't suffocated. know that they found that bone, though. Nothing yeah. was... Uh, which is really scary. Matthew was then also charged with first degree murder, which was later upgraded to capital murder. Good. As part of the investigation, they took Matthew's DNA and after the discovery of Hannah's remains, they decided to test it against other open cases in Virginia. The DNA matched with two different unsolved cases. The first was in regards to that case that I mentioned earlier from 2005 in Fairfax, Virginia. For that incident, Matthew was also charged with attempted murder, object sexual penetration, and abduction with intent to defile. The second case that Matthew's DNA was matched to was a very well-known cold case in Virginia, the murder of Morgan Dana Harrington. I got chills again. (laughs) Morgan was a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student who went with three friends on October 17, 2009 to see a Metallica concert at the John Paul Jones Arena at the University of Virginia... I know you don't watch so, The Bachelor, but there was a guy on it named John Paul Jones, and that's all I could think of now. Oh my God. <laughs> he was a very weird guy. That's such a weird name. John I mean, he didn't, they didn't really give him any choice. He had to and be And he creepy. went by John Paul Jones. Anyway, <laughs> after the opening act, Morgan left to use the restroom, and when she didn't return, her friends called her at around 9 p.m. She told them that she couldn't get back in because the arena had a no re-entry policy, but that she would figure out her own way home. Which sucks, because that means she only saw the opening act and for some reason had to go pee and they wouldn't let her there back in. There wasn't a bathroom inside? I have no That's idea. That's crazy. It also could be that, like, and I could see this happening to me, that I, that she may have been drinking. Oh, she was. She was drinking. And if it was me, I might have been too drunk and just found the porta potties like, yeah, outside. <laughs> that's true. And then not realize that I couldn't get back. Yeah. <laughs> that would be something 100%. that I would do. But also, like, if you're with somebody and now they're alone on the outside of the venue, like, how important is this concert? Right. I don't. I don't know. But she did tell them that she would figure I out know, her own but way still, home. Still, I'd be like, no, I'm like, I'm coming out and you know what i mean no no me too i would, or I would like, at least no, go to the like, gate and be like please let her back in she's all alone like she just went to pee like yeah i don't i would have gone yeah. out and been like hey we can get back in and if we can't let's just i don't know yeah. let's leave <laughs> anyway since she hadn't even brought her car she must have been riding with her friends and she was drunk morgan decided to find a ride home with someone else Witnesses last saw her at 9.23 p.m. hitchhiking on the nearby Copley Bridge. And the next day, Morgan was reported missing. After a search of the area, Morgan's purse, which contained her ID, cell phone, with the battery removed, and an empty flask that had belonged to her, were found in the RV lot at UVA's Lanigan Athletic Field. Police also found Morgan's bloodstained shirt near the Lanigan Athletic Field parking lot, which would prove to have more than just her DNA on it. Investigators immediately discovered that that DNA matched the DNA recovered from the 2005 Fairfax rape. But at that time, they weren't able to identify it. So in 2009, they knew that they had a predatory serial offender. But couldn't find him? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Three months later, on January 29, 2010, Morgan's skeletal remains were found in a remote field about 10 miles from the concert venue on a part of the 742-acre Anchorage farm about 1.5 miles from the nearest road. Similarly to Hannah, Morgan's undergarments, boots, and leggings were never found. Since her remains were too decomposed, the medical examiner could only determine that her cause of death was homicidal violence of undetermined origin. The examiner did find that Morgan had been beaten before her death, just like Hannah. She had a spiral fracture to her upper left arm, which was consistent with being grabbed and twisted violently, as well as two rib fractures, which was consistent with having your ribs crushed, and an incised skull fracture. Yikes. Once Matthew's DNA was matched to Morgan's murder in 2014, police began looking into what happened that night. Investigators learned that the taxi company that Matthew worked for frequently used the Lanigan Field parking lot as a staging area when the arena hosted events, and that he was working on the night that Morgan disappeared. The police surmised that Matthew picked her up from the lot and took her back to his apartment, where he raped her before ultimately murdering her. Then he dumped the body in the location where Morgan's remains were found. Matthew was then additionally charged with abduction with intent to defile and the first-degree murder of Morgan Harrington on top of the charges from the 2005 Fairfax incident and the 2014 murder of Hannah Graham. And this is what made it capital murder. At the time of his trial in 2016, Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr. was facing dozens of felonies in relation to the two murders as well as one rape-attempted murder, which I just said meant that he was facing the death penalty. Ultimately, though, Matthew took a plea and was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences. Matthew was handed over to the custody of Red Onion Maximum Security Prison in Virginia. Due to the serial nature of his crimes, many people still believe that Matthew is responsible for many other disappearances in Virginia. Some of these cases include Autumn Day in Newport News, 2003, Sophia Rivera in Newport News, 2003, Heidi Childs and David Metzler in Blacksburg, 2009. Cassandra Morton in Lynchburg, 2009. Samantha Clark in Orange County, 2010. And Alexis Murphy in Lovingston, 2013. Holy shit. Yeah. We may never know the answer to whether or not Matthew is responsible for these missing people. On May 21st, 2019, it was reported that Matthew was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer and was transferred to a state prison that has better medical resources. He is currently alive, although he probably won't be for all that much longer due to the late stage of the disease, which he really deserves. I want him to suffer. (laughs) But, yeah, he really should. But I did realize after creating the three rum shots that, yeah... He did three rum shots, but he's also he was also convicted of hurting yeah. three women. That's crazy. Luckily, one of them lived. Yeah. Uh, I feel like people like him are like the scariest types of killers that we see because it's just like whoever he passes on the road that day is his victim. Like it's very opportunistic mm-hmm. and like super, super scary. It's scary because it's I mean, clearly it was women that he was going after, so it wasn't as scary as Israel Keys, but yeah, he was just out that night and just happened to run into yeah. Hanagram. The really unfortunate thing in both of those girls' stories is that nobody did mm-hmm. anything. There were so many witnesses for Hannah and probably Morgan because she was outside of right. a crowded arena and nobody thought Hey, that girl's alone. Maybe yeah, I should. Maybe do I should something. like tell someone. Tell somebody. Anybody. Yeah. Like, if you see something, say something. Preach. That's what in Brooklyn Nine Nine, this really this idiot captain sings it, and he goes, "If you see something, say something. Come on and party tonight." <laughs> I need to watch that show. The only thing I've really seen from that show is like the clip that always like circulates on Facebook of him making the witnesses sing i want it that way (laughs) and then he like gets really into it he's like tell me why (laughs) and then the the girl's just like number five number five killed my brother and he's like oh shit i forgot that's why we were here (laughs) (laughs) 
So sorry we got off topic a lot during this. We're clearly missing going out to the bars and are going crazy inside our houses. But (laughs) I feel so bad for these girls. Fuck that guy. Yeah, he's obviously getting fucked by the universe. He has stage four colon cancer, which which he deserves is. Yeah, it's it's a perfect punishment, really. Um, but yeah, I I feel really bad for the families of Hannah Graham and Morgan Harrington and all of his supposed victims. Yeah. It's I mean, it's ridiculous, but it should if you can take anything away from this help people. Yeah, help Just your like, friends. If you take see somebody Take care of your friends. Take care of strangers. Not like scary strangers, but like if you see someone that's drunk and struggling. Yeah. And don't them. let your friends walk home alone. Yeah. Don't. No matter don't who it is, no matter how close they live or how, like if you don't think they're drunk or, you know what I mean? Like just don't let people go home mm-hmm. alone at night or in the daytime or anytime. And I'm, oh, I'm sure these people like know that now and are like kicking themselves every day about it. But it's like. Just take care of your friends. Yeah, I'm sure that we don't have to kick them also. Yeah. But like it it is it's an important lesson, I think. And one that like I think should be stated is you don't have to lie. If you're drunk, yeah. say you're drunk. And if someone's like, Hey, are you okay? Say no. And you're not, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to say that you're not. If you want to suggest a case for us to cover, or if you just wanna talk to us about how we include too many PSAs in our episodes, you can email us at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com You can send us pictures of the rum shots you take and then irresponsibly do over the course of your quarantine on Instagram at deaddrunkcrime You can also tweet us after you get drunk and tell us anything except racist thoughts. I don't want those. Um, (laughs) At (laughs) deaddrunkcrime you can find us on Facebook. Our page is Dead Drunk, Dead Drunk a True Crime Podcast. <laughs> I never know how to say that. And we also have merch, which will be linked in the show notes and at the bottom of the blog post that you can find on our website at deaddrunkpodcast.com. Yay! I also link all the sources for all of our cases so you can dive on in to the cases yourselves or if you're just bored and you want to I don't know why you would. If you want to double check us and you're really bored, go yeah. For it. If you just want to read up more about everything, I'm sure that the sources hold more than we can like fit into our episodes. Mm-hmm. The sources here also include what I mainly used, which was "The Murder of Hannah Graham" by Robert Walker on Murder Minute, which we're not sponsored by, but it's an app. Oh, I love Murder Minute. Every morning it gives you a new murder story and it's written by someone. Sometimes they're written poorly, but that's rare. Um, Most of the time they're written very well. There's pictures involved and it's just a really great app. We're not sponsored, but we're open to it. Uh, Yeah. All right. So for our chaser today, I'm going to quiz Shelby about alcohol to see how much we actually know. I might fail because I know that Tierney knows a lot more than I do. I don't know about that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, factually, you drink a lot more than I do, so I that just equate it to knowledge. That's true, yes. Um, all right, what is the chemical in alcohol? Ethanol, zymase, dehydrogenase, or nicotine? Ethanol. Yeah, I, well, I don't, I think so. Which of these drinks contains the least alcohol? 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, 1.5 ounces of vodka, Eight ounces of malt liquor, all are equal. The beer? Uh, I'll put it, but I think all of them are equal. Really? Yeah, because it's different amounts of each one. Oh, you're right. I'm pretty sure that, because I'm pretty sure like one and a half ounces of vodka is a shot. I'm pretty sure that, and I know five ounces of wine is a standard pour. I think 12 ounces of beer is a standard pour. I don't know about the malt liquor. I think, actually, isn't 12 ounces a larger glass for beer? No, I don't think so. No? I think 12 ounces is a pint glass. Oh, you're right. There's just this one place that gives you an option for, like, six ounces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, depending on the kind of beer, though, also, I feel like if it's, like, an IPA, they usually do it less, right, in, like, those smaller glasses. You're you're probably right. I think it's... I think think they're all the same. 
Um, how long does it take for alcohol to affect the brain? 10 seconds, 90 seconds, 10 minutes, or 90 minutes? I don't, 90 seconds? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I did watch a video um, yesterday where this girl, I think she's on BuzzFeed, um, drank White Claws, and after every White Claw she drank, she checked her BAC, but she waited 15 minutes between drinking it and testing it. So I almost want to say that it's 10 minutes, but it could be nine. I have no idea. I'll, I'll leave 90 seconds. Mm. Um, it took her it's like five to minutes. get drunk. I'm just guessing off of how fast it takes me to get drunk. <laughs> All of a sudden you're like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it could even be 10 seconds. Honestly. I don't know. I'll leave 90. Mm. Which of the following does not equal one standard drink? Okay. This is what we were talking about before. 12 okay. ounces of wine cooler. 12 ounces of malt liquor, five ounces of wine, one and a half ounces of whiskey. 12 ounces of wine was the first one? Uh, but it's a wine cooler. Oh, so I think the, the second one, right? Yeah, I think That's it's the malt liquor because the first one said eight ounces. I think it's eight ounces of malt liquor. I think that malt liquor has a like high alcohol content, right? Yeah. So you would never serve 12 ounces of it. Yeah, I think it's eight. Okay. All right. <clears throat> How long does it take the body to process or break down one standard drink? Half an hour, one hour, an hour and a half depends on the drink. I I want to answer it depends on the drink, but I think really it depends on the person. I think it's an hour though, isn't it? I well, so my other guess was going to be an hour, but then they gave me depends on the drink. So like Yeah, but it says like a standard drink. So like I'm assuming it's the pour of each of those that we talked about. So then, yeah, yeah, an hour. hour. All right. What is blood alcohol concentration? Is it the ability to concentrate after drinking alcohol? (laughs) The amount of alcohol that will kill a person? The proportion of alcohol to blood in the body as someone drinks or the legal limit for drinking? The proportion to alcohol. Yeah, that's what I think too. No, the proportion. You know what I'm saying. The proportion of alcohol to blood. (laughs) Yes. Um, what blood alcohol concentration level is considered legally intoxicated states? I'm not even going to give you multiple choice. You should know this one. Is it like it's 0.08? Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Don't blow it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how long? You were right. I should know that one. And I just, I was. (laughs) Well, you did know it. So we're good. I wasn't sure though. I was like, I think it's this. Yeah, it's point oh eight. It did, but that. yeah, you still shouldn't. I think it's like point oh three or point oh four that you like really shouldn't drive, but you don't get in as much trouble. Ooh. Um. How long must a person wait after drinking before she is totally sober? An hour, eight hours, one hour for each drink consumed, half an hour for each drink consumed, twenty four hours. Before what? Before he or she is totally sober. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say one hour for each drink consumed. Yeah, because I don't... I think 24 hours is too long, right? Yeah. And, like, you can't say eight hours if you've had, like, ten drinks. I think it depends on each... How many drinks you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would make sense with the previous question, yeah. too. Um, which of the following statements about drinking alcohol is false? It depresses or slows down brain and body functions. It affects women more quickly than men, even if they weigh the same. It's more harmful to teens than to adults. It stimulates or speeds up brain and body functions. It's more harmful to teens than to adults. Is false? It's. Why would alcohol be more harmful? Oh, no, because they don't have any tolerance at all. Yeah. The women one. I You don't think it's the stimulates one? It's, it's, alcohol is a depressant, right? It doesn't speed up Wait, your brain and body what is, functions. What was the last one? It stimulates or speeds up brain and body functions. Oh, it's that one. Yeah, because it's a depressant, yeah. right? Because we couldn't say mm-hmm. that one and the first one are right. Right. It's a downer. That's why I love it so much. um which essential body organ suffers the most life-threatening damage from alcohol the lungs your liver (laughs) (laughs) which of the following is a special concern for teenagers in alcohol abuse 
liver damage, heart damage, tooth and gum damage, bone and muscle damage. What isn't like wouldn't what? it be liver again? Yeah, probably right. Why would it be different depending on your age? I don't know. No idea. Oh wait, maybe it's brain because their brains haven't finished developing. So the only problem with that answer is that brain is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then so, we'll stick with whatever we did. Okay, pick. liver. Liver. Okay. <laughs> All right. What is tolerance of alcohol? Is it the amount a person can drink before feeling any effects? The Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the amount a person can allow his or her friends to drink. The amount a person can drink before vomiting. The need for increasing amounts of alcohol before feeling any effect. The amount just below legally intoxicating. Yeah. The amount. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Why is increasing tolerance a problem? It isn't a problem. <laughs> 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 it isn't a problem i'm very offended by this question well that's the first <laughs> option it isn't a problem um oh my god i literally <laughs> thought that was your opinion <laughs> i mean it is uh, anyway uh people's friends become more obnoxious with higher tolerance probably true <laughs> um it leads <laughs> factual yeah, it leads to more <laughs> dui arrests or it is a sign of growing addiction it's a sign of growing addiction I almost feel like this problem is they're like this question is wrong <laughs> because it probably leads to more DUI also because you drink more than you think and you think that you're not drunk. I was going to say that they all seem the like problems caused. They're all problems, but the last one is the obvious one. You think so? All right. I'll I think it. so because if you're at some point, if you are really truly an alcoholic and addicted your your tolerance isn't going to end. Yeah, but I don't know if alcohol addiction and alcohol abuse means that your tolerance is higher. I think that it I feel like in I feel like it leads to more DUIs because you drink more because you don't feel drunk and then you think like, "Oh, I I'm I don't feel drunk. I can get in the car and drive." And then you get pulled over and you still have the same blood alcohol content. I think it also does that, but I don't know. All right, we'll find out. I'll, I put yours. <laughs> How does a family history of alcoholism affect someone's risk of being an alcoholic? Children of alcoholics cannot drink at all or they will become alcoholics. <laughs> Genes can cause vulnerability to alcoholism. There is no added risk of alcoholism to children of alcoholics. Growing up in a home with alcoholics can cause vulnerability to alcoholism, even in adopted children. Uh-oh. <laughs> Both genes and growing up in a home with alcoholics affect risk. I think it's probably that last yeah, one. I would say I yeah, I don't know. Um I don't know. I I want to say genes mostly, but probably if you're like exposed to it a ton. Yeah, I also I feel like I hear, hear of people all the time though that like have parents that are alcoholics so they like don't even touch it. Yeah, but they don't touch it because they're they're like because if you do touch it, there's more of a likelihood that you'll you'll be an alcoholic. Yeah, right. All right. Last question. How can you tell if you're sober enough to drive safely? If you can recite the you alphabet backwards, <laughs> touch your finger to your nose without your with your eyes closed and walk in a straight line. <laughs> it, Wait, what? Your eyes are closed? When you Yeah, in the sobriety test, when you close your eyes. And they make you close your eyes to walk in a straight line? To touch your finger to your nose. Oh, I thought that this was all simultaneous. Oh, no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, if you feel sober, you probably are. If an hour has passed since your last drink, or if an hour has passed for each drink you had. Um, probably the first one, I guess. I don't know. I think it's the last one. If an hour has passed for each drink the you had, then you're sober enough to drive. Okay. No, I, I agree with that one, too. I just wasn't sure what, what they were I, I put that asking. One. All right, I press like, go. What they wanted in an answer, yeah. you know? All right. We got 12 out of 15. Here are the ones we want. Oh. I guess point, point one zero in most states is the blood alcohol content. So I guess in New York State, it's 0.08. But in most okay. states, it's 0.10. That's crazy. That is Interesting. crazy. That, I, that seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Okay. 
Um, teenagers and alcohol, it's not liver damage that's a concern, even though I'm sure that is a concern. Um, but bone and muscle damage also, um, because alcohol does cause damage to the liver, heart, teeth, and gums. But a special concern for teenagers and alcohol abuse is bone and muscle damage because someone who begins drinking regularly as a young teen can limit their growth. So I was right in my thinking. Yeah. So if you're short, that means you were an alcoholic as a teenager. (laughs) Or you're just short, (laughs) dude. I feel personally attacked. Um, Okay. So, oh, so we got the tolerance question wrong. It's not the amount a person can drink before feeling effects. It's the need for increasing amounts of alcohol before feeling any effect. So I guess you were right with the other one. Oh, so th- so that means like the the amount that you have to drink to feel tolerance an effect. of alcohol is the need for increasing amounts of alcohol before feeling effects. Tolerance is a concept right, so that yeah. applies to any addiction. Over time, the body learns to tolerate and set tolerate a set amount of the drug. The person will feel mostly normal, even though she will be intoxicated. He or she will be intoxicated. If the user wants to feel high, he or she will have to take more. And more alcohol or other drugs as the time passes in order to feel that effect. Yeah. I feel like yeah, both okay. of them says the same thing. Right? Do, aren't both of those sentences the yeah. same thing? The need for increasing amounts of alcohol before feeling effect? Or the amount a person can drink yeah. before feeling effects? That there's They're like basically the same. I don't know. That was a weird quiz. Yeah. But we did okay. <laughs> yeah. 12 out of 15 Plus is the, not bad. Plus the .08 one is like in our state it's .08. Right? Yeah, I think so. New York State. Point oh eight, yeah. So uh, that one I'll say that we pretty much got right. I didn't realize it was higher in other states. So I could like drive to like fucking New Jersey and a point oh eight and <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. It's probably the South that has yeah. it higher. So we really only got like two wrong and I don't know. I think we did well. Yeah, it could have been could worse. Could have been better. Could have been worse. <laughs> uh, don't drink and drive. Don't don't let your friends drink and walk home by themselves. Don't uh, rape women and murder. Take them. care yeah. of yourself yeah. and yeah, each other. Be kind. We're gonna end on Jerry Springer's As line. Would say, be kind to one another. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's how Jerry Springer ends his shows by going, "Take care of yourself." Yeah, and that's each how other. Ellen ends her shows. Be kind to one another. Oh my God, <laughs> love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye mom. <laughs> bye mom. <laughs>